So today's story is going to be... I have literally been trying to record for like two minutes. Welcome to the Scarlett Harrison show, everybody. <laughs> So this is my third time trying to do this episode because <laughs> um, of my own faults, no faults of anybody else. But um, we're doing another book review today, and today we're doing a book called Mr. Epistles. I looked at the pronunciation before I started this the first time, so I'm pretty certain that that is the correct pronunciation. Um, so this novel was recommended to me by Writing Slowly, uh, who is the author of the story. At first, she directed me to Wattpad to read this. However, um, looking at Wattpad's um, book <laughs> of hers, like it just, it's, it's too disorganized. So I am going to be reading it from Inkit. I'm going to, in the, the box afterwards, once I post this episode, I am going to post both places to find this novel. Um, just for me personally, I am doing Inkit because, you know, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent because I think it's important that I do. Um, so Wattpad-wise, this is not an issue with Wattpad itself. This is an issue with the organization that the author provided for the readers. So <clears throat> when we first look into this book, I don't find the summary on Wattpad specifically. I can find the summary on Inkit, however, but with Wattpad, I'm not finding it. Instead, I'm finding, uh... oh wait, no, I just found it. Okay, never mind. I found it. I just needed to look a little bit more. However, um, my issue is that it's very disorganized. Um, and how it's disorganized is that there is like a lot of things before you even get to the prologue. And then there's something else in between the prologue before you get to the first chapter. Now, the thing that I'm having problems with is, like, the first thing is called Forward. And that is basically showing a um, definition of epistles. And epistles means a letter or a poem or other literary work in the form of a letter or a series of letters. Which is fine. If you want to put a definition there, that's, that's cool. However, then we go forward, we have a disclaimer, and then in parentheses, which you guys know are my favorite things, um, it says not really. So disclaimer, parentheses, not really. And then it says, this book doesn't have hundreds and hundreds of chapters. No book does, in parentheses. But the point is that it's one of those shorter books, meaning that it might only have about 13 chapters or so, as Robin's story doesn't span for a very long time period. Nevertheless, and as expected, it will be just as enjoyable, parentheses hopefully, as any other book with 30 plus chapters. So we're going to talk about this real quick. We're going to talk about it because I feel like, to the author, this is not necessary. Um, you don't, like, if you're an author and you ever feel like you have to make a disclaimer about something about, like, silly as the length of your story, just don't do it, okay? Because here's the deal. Some people like short stories, some people like long stories. The people who like your short stories are going to come to short stories. People who like long stories are going to find long stories. And if a reader has a problem with how short your book was, that's their issue. It really is. I mean, some stories don't have to have a million chapters. So 
let your book speak for itself. Do not put this this type of disclaimer on there, okay? Because my thing is, even if you have like say a 5K word chapter, right? A really well-written chapter is going to feel like 2K. It's going to feel like 1K. Whereas sometimes a 1K chapter is going to feel like a 5K chapter. It is all based on how well you write these chapters, how well of an impression you leave on your readers. So don't leave that disclaimer. Take that out. That is my biggest suggestion. Take that out because you're already setting your reader up to expect to not enjoy this book as much because it's shorter. So you're already basing that expectation for the reader. So get rid of it. <laughs> get rid of it. Moving on, we have a copyright section, and my issue with this part right here is that it is not actually a copyright message. Um, a copyright section has the memo of the entire, like, written text of copyright. You know, the, you know, repercussions of copywriting, what's going to happen if you copyright, and who it belongs to. All you have is a recommended font and a recommended background, and then you have copyright 2019 writing slowly. I don't think that that's necessary. <laughs> so moral of the story is if you're going to have a copyright section, you should have the entire copyright message, not just your recommended font and your recommended background. I just don't really understand that. You know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have those two things. Um, moving forward on that, we then have dedication post, which is fine. And then we have the prologue, which I was like, all right, we got the prologue. Now we're on to something. But then I noticed we have a face claims thing, which I guess is a Wattpad situation. And then after the face claims, we have chapter one. Now my issue with this is that it seems a bit interruptive. So what I would do personally, I'm not telling you to get rid of your face claims. If that's what you wanna do, do it. But what I am saying is move it back. Have it be face claims, then prologue, then chapter one, because then it's not interruptive. So those are my suggestions. Um, so with all of that said, now that I've ranted about this for like five minutes, we're gonna jump on into the summary. I didn't say it in the first section, which I am 98% sure I did. Um, this is a fantasy mystery novel with a completed status with 18 chapters. It currently does not have any ratings on Inkit. Uh, the age rating, however, is 16 and up. So moving on to the summary. Les Rebus. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, so if I didn't, I apologize to those who speak the language. Call them crazy, or call them free. Chanceville is a town known for its unbelievably rich and delusional history of folklore. Hearing an insane story wasn't alarming for the residents, and this was the reality they knew since the beginning. But after time passed, the people chose to push it all behind them. Robin North lived an average life in Chanceville. A stable job, loyal partner, and lively friends consumed her daily doings. Nothing too exciting, not much to talk about. Then one day, something happened that changed everything. This was the day she met someone, someone who was but a work of her scattered mind until he wasn't anymore. As things progress and Chanceville's old folklore resurfaces, Robin learns that everything she experiences may be a part of a much bigger picture. So in regards to summaries, I actually liked it. The only thing I didn't like was it has a lot of 
stops. Specifically, I'm talking in certain areas like Robin North lived an average life in Chanceville, period. A stable job, comma, loyal partner, and there should be another comma after that, and lively friends. Consumed her daily doings, period. So it's like, period, period, nothing too exciting, not much to talk about, period. Then one day, comma, something happened that changed everything, period. This was the day she met someone, period. Someone who was but a work of her scattered mind till he wasn't anymore, period. Um, so it just has a lot of periods unnecessarily, in my opinion. I would find ways to kind of maybe weave the sentences together so you can add a little bit more like breaths instead of completely you know stopping a, a sentence if that makes any sense um so i would maybe do a robin north lived an average life in chanceville comma where she held a staple job loyal partner and lively friends period that makes it more of one sentence instead of splitting it up into two um nothing too exciting not much to talk about period. Then one day something happened that changed everything, period. This is the day she met someone, period. So, um, I don't know, maybe just get rid of this is the day she met someone section. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know how to break that up myself to make it one sentence. Um, so I guess it could work, but for me, it's just a lot of unnecessary stops. Um, and then someone who was but a work of her scattered mind. And then I would do a comma until he wasn't anymore. I would actually just get rid of the word anymore and just say until he wasn't. Because um, I feel like anymore kind of makes it a little bit more wordy than it needs to be. And so maybe just get rid of the word anymore and just have someone who was but a worker for scattered mind, comma, until he wasn't. Because um, that still gives off the same effect. It just makes it, you know, like I said, less wordy. Other than that, I actually really like this summary. I feel like it definitely, you know, created some mystery, which is the intrigue part that readers need. It gave you a little bit of backstory, not only um, the place that Robin lives, but of who we're gonna be seeing the main point of view from, and also a little bit about Robin, who's kind of an average person. Um, and then below we have a dedication, um, which is fine. I'm not gonna bother reading that, but um, moving forward, we are gonna go on to the prologue. So it has a date on the top, 1307-2017. Chanceville. A lonely town far north of Canopy, known for its rich storytelling and vibrant folklore. It was a town for the dreamers. Everyone in Chanceville was at some point exactly the same. Their heads were in the clouds. The biggest task in Chanceville was picking true stories from crazy old fairy tales. And the latter was more quickly believed. They couldn't help it. It was their culture. Well, it had been, but that's history. It was now the 21st century and the people of Chanceville were doing what they like to call waking up. So already I'm kind of seeing that stops again. Um, it was the town for the dreamers, period. Everyone in Chancellor was at some point comma exactly the same, period. Their heads were in the clouds, period. The biggest task in Chancellor was picking two stories from crazy old fairy tales, period. The latter was more ble quickly believed, period. They couldn't help it, comma. It was their culture, period. Um, also, I'm kind of like a little confused. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be this confused early on, but I'm very confused. Um, as you're talking about folklore already, vibrant folklore, and then you're like, well, it had been. That's history. So I don't know why you felt like saying it was history because you already placed a date on top for the readers to know this is the time period we are in. This is what we're doing. So I just don't know if like referring to the history was really required, considering in the summary you already kind of told us that there's a lot of folklore that no one really kind of focuses that much on anymore and had kind of deemed fairy tales. Um, and now you're repeating that in the prologue. So it just kind of seems a little 
unnecessarily repetitive because you have to keep in mind when you read a summary and then you open up the prologue you're reading from the summary straight to the prologue so that's gonna seem very repetitive to readers so just kind of keep that in mind um but with that all said i'm gonna continue an italian neighborhood in century of chanceville robin north lived with her partner jesse wrights the house in which they lived had gone through several generations time and tide if those walls could talk oh the stories they tell its agent decor was mind-boggling, yet an old-fashioned chic home it was. I don't like that wording. Um, yet an old-fashioned chic home it was. I don't like the it was part. I feel like there's a different way you could have described it than just saying it was. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being nitpicky. Um, but it's definitely giving more of a narrator um, perspective than any main character perspective. So what about it makes it old yet chic? You know what I mean? Like what about it? Is it the way that it's built, the house itself? Is it the old beams? Is it the arches? You know, give me, give me something to visualize, not just tell me something, like show me it. You know what I mean? I don't, I know that like a lot of people used to tell me that I tell instead of show too much when I was first beginning to post my work. And I never really understood what that meant. Um, but what it really means is that there is telling someone, oh yeah, well I have a lamp over on my desk, and then they're showing someone you have a lamp on your desk, like you're showing them like the light emitting from it, the way it casts shadows against the walls, the way that it just fills the room with an ambiance of relaxation, like that is showing instead of just telling. So that is what I want you to do in this section specifically. How is it old fashioned and yet chic? How is it old yet modern? Show me. So <laughs> moving forward. The majority of the residents in this neighborhood were either white or Asian. So Robin North, being a dark-skinned black girl, was part of the minority. She was 23. So I kind of jumbled up my words when I first read this section, but I don't really care for the she was 23 part because it kind of seems like an afterthought. I feel like not only that, but you used numericals instead of actually just typing out 23, which I'm not trying to be disrespectful by saying this, but I find it when people type out the numbers instead of actually just writing out 20, you know, dash three. Um, it just kind of comes off a little lazy to me. It looks a little juvenile. Like I think that's something a high schooler would do. Um, so aside from that, I feel like you could have woven her age in very differently. I feel like it could have been like, so Robin North, a young 20, a 23-year-old dark-skinned black girl was part of the minority. So... I hope that that makes sense. Also saying was part of the minority kind of gives a past tense, meaning she's no longer part of the minority, meaning she may not be alive anymore. So you really wanna be careful with your tenses because this does still give off a narrative perspective or it just means that someone else is telling the story from what has happened and she was once alive or maybe it's not even her telling the story anymore. Um, so I just really feel like you should definitely be careful about your tenses, make sure you're reading sorry, writing from the perspective that you're meaning to write from. And moving forward, I see you have Jesse Wrights worked as a junior editor for Chanceville's only newspaper, Bonjour. He was 24 years old. Again, you did the he was 24 years old as an afterthought. So you could have been Jesse Wrights, a 24-year-old with high ambitions, worked as a junior editor for Chanceville's only newspaper, Bonjour. And that still would have woven in his age, it would have woven in his career, and woven in the title of the newspaper. So just really be careful of that stuff. It just kind of seems like you're putting off more of a 
autobiography instead of actually writing a story, if that makes any sense. Um, so then there's a chapter break. Um, right here, thanks. You don't want me to drive in? The middle-aged mule driver turned to Robin. No, it's fine. Robin shook her head. I'll walk. Robin paid the taxi driver right at the top of Telsford Street, then proceeded on a lone journey home. Her walk was only a minute or so, then she stopped right in front of the yellow greenhouse. Okay, so already I'm kind of still missing the details. What does it smell like outside? Does it look like folklore? You know what I mean? Because like when I, when I imagine like a town that's kind of like clung to the folklore and the history of its town, I kind of expect it to look maybe a little, I don't know, I guess like Halloween townish. <laughs> um, just like, you know, like very like intricate, you know, eccentric. You know, so what are you seeing? What are you smelling? Does it look different than any other town? Because you're kind of perceiving it to be like a different town, like nothing anyone's ever seen before, almost very touristy. So I just, again, I want to see what she sees. Jesse's average gray convertible was already parked in the driveway, and upon seeing it, Robin breathed a sigh of relief. After fumbling with the keys for a while, she entered and found Jesse on the couch, stuffing his face with wedges. Robin closed the front door and walked further inside. So I don't need to know that she closed the door and walked further inside, just unless there's an actual reason why she did that. You know, maybe she's trying to be ominous. Maybe she's trying to like sneak up on somebody. So you're trying to create tension, but that's not what's going on here. Um, it just kind of seems a little like more script-like, you know, than anything else. Hey, Rue, Jesse smiled. Then he, then he stood and made his way to Robin, towering over her. With her shoes off, Robin faced his torso. Again, you're giving me that kind of scripted thing. So when you say he's towering over her, maybe that's a good like a good time to introduce their heights. You know, Robin being only a short 5'1", five 5'1", one, five and Jesse being the tall 6'2 man he is, Robin barely stood at his shoulders as she, as she took off her shoes. Something along the lines. I know that was really sloppy of me explaining that, but... It just needs more detail. That's the issue I'm already stumbling with with the prologue. So I definitely think it needs a lot more detail. You need to show more than tell. Like It doesn't need to sound so scripted. Hey, she replied softly and sunk into his chest. How have you been? He chuckled a bit, then wrapped his arms around her chubby waist. Robin had had a long head had. Ugh. Maybe just like kind of like go into further about how she's tense. Like... As she melted into his embrace, Robin let go of all the tension she had held for so long. Having been another long day at work, she longed to tell Jesse about the eerie stranger she had met much earlier on. So just give a little bit more, like is his embrace comforting to her? Is it relaxing her? Is it easing those tensions of the long day? Like what does he smell like? What does he you know, feel like? Like those are like things that you really need to kind of let your reader in on. You know, like, we have an imagination, but it only does so much. The, the author is the one that really guides us to knowing and feeling the things that you're trying to express through the character. So moving on, um, I'm going to start from that beginning spot where Robin had had a long day. Robin had had a long day. She longed to tell Jesse about the eerie stranger she had met much earlier on. He had approached her, knife in hand and dressed in all white. His manner, his walk, everything about him had screamed danger. Did he walk with a limp? Why is it so important that he was dressed in all white? You know, you need to, again, detail, 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 detail. What was his manner like? Did he have a stutter? Did he speak more fluently? Did he have an accent? You know, was there something else about him that just kind of like 
Like, what about his manner and his walk and everything? He said everything about him screamed that he was dangerous. So give me more. <laughs> Fear. And no one else in the library seemed to notice. That wasn't the first time, and Robin knew better than to talk about it. The words never left her mouth. I would then say, as though as much as she tried, the words never left her mouth. Because just saying the words never left her mouth kind of just tears you out of what she was just explaining, which makes you think that there's probably something supernatural going on in regards to something only Robin can see. So saying, and Robin knew better than to talk about it, period, the words never left her mouth, period. Like that just kind of tears me out of what you were just explaining. And I feel like if you just said, though as hard as she tried, the words never left her mouth. So showing that she actually attempted to say something instead of just saying the words never left her mouth gives us a little bit more description of her actually struggling to talk about this. So, besides, Jesse's favorite names for Robin were crazy and delusional. Again, that's kind of like a little out of nowhere. I just don't understand. Like, I feel like we need more detail to really understand. Like, is she manic when she sees these things? Does she, does it happen a lot? Um, you know, she said that no one seemed to notice and it wasn't her first time. But, like, how long has this been happening? Has it been happening since childhood? Has it been happening since, you know, she hit her, you know, puberty years? Like, when did this really start? How long has it been going on? Has she tried to talk about it before? Because, I mean, this implies that she has, but it doesn't really tell you who she's tried to confide in or how the reactions have really been. And, you know, saying that Jesse's favorite names for Robin were crazy and delusional. I mean, it kind of does give that vibe. But I really just, I just really personally crave a lot more detail from this situation and I mean like yes it is you know mysterious and it does give you some tension to like kind of work towards but it's not even the correct tension that you want like for me this is like I'm so confused and so desperate for detail and wanting more and more in the way of like just knowing what she's really feeling and knowing how he makes her feel how the areas around her make her feel that like I'm kind of just getting a little frustrated um, and that's not me trying to like dig on the author it's just detail is very important I know I mentioned it in a lot of my episodes but detail is very important you know as I explained it last time as being like an Oreo cookie sure you have the cookies and then you have the icing the cookies are great on their own but the filling the icing is what makes them great you know so you might have the structure of your story you might have a good basic outline which would be the cookies but the details are the icing and the icing and the cookies work together to make something great. So just keep that in mind. I know it's silly to compare it to an Oreo cookie, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what my English teachers did when I was in high school. So I remember like the sandwich method or something. I don't know, maybe I'm just making that up. I don't know, but moving on. By the way, I'm not gonna be here this evening. Why not? Robin pulled away from Jesse's embrace to stare him dead in the face. His blue gray eyes were dull and faint. See, you're using word dull and faint. That's also telling me this is a past tense situation. This has happened. So I would say his blue gray eyes dull and faint as he, as he returned her gaze. His emotions hard to read on his stoic features or something. He has a little bit more, you know, and you can even say on his handsome features. What does he look like? That's what I want to know. Like we know that Robin is, you know, part of the minority. She's an African-American woman. And we also know that she's chubby, but what about her boyfriend? What does he look like? You know, we know he's tall, but like aside from that, like, is he handsome? Is he 
average looking? Is he unattractive? Is he chubby too? Is he muscular? We know his eye color now, but like, I just feel like we're getting these details like little breadcrumbs. And I want the whole freaking piece of bread, okay? Um, fortunately for me, he sighed, I have a meeting with my team of editors. A boss called in. I have no choice. Why did he say fortunately for me then? Because fortunately means that you're happy about this. But then when he says our boss called it, I have no choice, that implies that he's not really that happy about it. So I feel like what you would mean to say is unfortunately for me, I have a meeting with my team of editors, our boss called it and I have no choice. So yeah, moving forward. After he cupped Robin's face, planted a kiss on her lips, then led her to the couch. But how come? Are you getting fired? Robin's curiosity sparked. Again, that sounds very, I don't know, I just, I'm having trouble with this story just strictly because the detail just seems so much like an afterthought and I feel like Robin's curiosity sparked. Like, you know, maybe she nestled herself on the couch with him. Her brows furrowed as she gazed at him with worry. But how come? Are you getting fired? Because then it leads up to her question. She's not, her, her curiosity wasn't sparked after she asked the question. It was sparked before she asked it. So keep that in mind. Moving on. She snuggled up to next to Jesse, pressing for insight. No, he laughed. It's about promotions. Oh? Yep. Really? How long will that take? Hopefully not forever. How is the library? Jesse looked down, holding her in his arms. So you have O? Oh, yep. Really? How long will that take? Hopefully not forever. This is dialogue, so it's supposed to be O oh, is Robin. Yup is Jesse. Really? How long will that take? Robin. Hopefully not forever. That was Jesse. But it's not written telling us who's saying what, so it's kind of... It just structurally does not work for me. Maybe that works for other people, but for me, it does not. Robin shivered and swallowed hard. I would say Robin shivered as she swallowed past a lump in her throat. That's happening now. So saying as instead of then, it just kind of flows a little bit better for me. Fine, but seriously, how long will you be gone? Jesse shook his head and mouth, paranoid. Until then, he gently held her, until, until then, Okay, that's dialogue. He gently held her chin, leaning in for a deep kiss. I can pop open some sweet red wine for the two of us to share. Um, I don't like the way that that transpired. Until then, he gently held her chin, leaning in for a deep kiss. Um, I would say as Jesse spoke, he gently held her chin, leaning in for a kiss. Um, just that gives us, you know, kind of a break from the dialogue. Because as you read, it it's, kind of takes you a little bit away from the detail of it. I don't know if that makes any sense. Hopefully the author sees what I'm talking about. I know you guys can't visually see what I'm seeing, so hopefully <laughs> this all makes sense, but I am getting a little um, jumbled with the lack of detail and then the way that the detail does get written when it is there. Um, no, Jesse. She squirmed out of his grasp. Jesse left a few hours later, promising- Okay, what? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. What happened after that? You just left me on a cliffhanger in the middle of the prologue. And cliffhangers are fine when they make sense. That just felt like a jump cut. That felt like somebody took like, that's like if I took my podcast and I just like talking to you like I am now and then something went boop and it was like suddenly talking about chapter one. You know, like where, where, why'd she say no? Is there a reason why she said no? She's kind of seemed uncomfortable being hit on by him. Is there a reason why? Is there a reason why she didn't want to have an intimate moment with him? Like, I need more. <laughs> okay. 
Jesse left a few hours later, promising to return as soon as possible, like always. He hated leaving Robin alone because he didn't trust her conscience, not one bit. Robin retreated to her bedroom after making herself a large cup of chai tea and locked the door. So we had like a brief paragraph worth, not even, two sentences of Jesse's perspective, and then it went right back to Robin's. Um, that's fine, I guess, but it also just, again, feels a little, like, jumpy. Because, I mean, it's not unheard of when you're writing from third perspective, when there's two characters in the same room, to briefly cut into the other person's perspective and write from their perspective for, like, a moment. But you have to do it in a certain way that it flows correctly, and the fact that Jessie is no longer in the house, it should only be Robin's perspective. She barricaded the entrance, pushing her desk against the door and piling it with loads of heavy books and files to secure herself even more. She tried to get some reading done, but ended up worrying about if Jesse's phone was fully charged or what would be on the news that night. So I know that maybe this might be explained later on, but I am struggling to understand her paranoia. It hasn't really been touched on. It hasn't really been explained, really. It's just she's doing a bunch of weird-ass shit. And I don't know, maybe that's part of the intrigue. But for me, it's just kind of it makes me feel like something's missing. So it makes me not want to continue reading. If I'm being perfectly honest, like if I was reading this on my own, like I picked it up and I started reading it, I personally probably would have stopped very, very soon after I started because it just, for me, there's just so much lack of detail that it's hard for me to kind of figure out what really is going on, what emotions are really being felt, what expressions are being expressed to each character, you know, so it's just something you really want to keep in mind, you know. I'm sure some people probably don't notice the things that I notice or don't care about the things that I notice so they can still enjoy the story. So I guess I am a little bit picky, but moving forward. Soon, her thoughts strayed far enough that she ended up fantasizing about what might have happened had she taken Jesse's red wine offer. Robin wasted an hour overthinking. Okay, like seriously, again, like what is happening? Like, can I get more information of like, why was she scared to take up that offer? It's because she's scared of intimacy. Like what is going on? Like, I just need to know. Afterwards, she decided to head downstairs to satisfy her sudden violent cravings. Violent cravings? What? What am I? What? It took her a long while to even step out of the room. Robin hated being without Jesse or without anyone she knew. She felt uncomfortable. I just, I feel uncomfortable because I have no idea what's going on. Like, you feel uncomfortable. Jeez Louise, lady. Like, how'd we go from being paranoid to be violent? What, is she a serial killer? Like, is this, like, from the serial killer's perspective? Again, doesn't really express, like, much. Like, what? I, you can't just say. You can't just, like, throw violent cravings at your reader and then not explain them has she always had violent cravings has she acted out consistently on these violent cravings who or what has she acted out these violent cravings with you know what i mean like i am befuddled to make matters worse a sudden shatter came from their kitchen where where is she in this house okay you just said that she went down head downstairs to satisfy her sudden violent cravings where in the house is she i'm so confused to make matters worse, a sudden shatter came from their kitchen, sounded up the stairs and throughout the entire building. Sounded up the stairs and throughout the entire building. I'm sorry, but that absolutely does not make any sense. Because um, if she said, to make matters worse, a sudden shatter came from their kitchen, you don't have to say then, sounded up the stairs and throughout the entire building. That doesn't need to be there. If she heard it from upstairs, which by the way, she's not even up the stairs. You said she went downstairs. So how could she even hear it upstairs and know that it was heard upstairs if she's downstairs? I, yeah, that's my question. Um, so if there's a murderer, then case in point. Um, 
It was followed by a second cheddar, a third, and right when Robin expected the fourth, her thoughts were interrupted by a series of bangs and clangs. Why isn't she reacting, aside from just listening and being like, oh my god, a third one. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a bitch, but like, there's still not much happening in the form of details. First, she reckoned it was Jesse returning home drunk, in parentheses, or really mad. I'm really mad about those parentheses. Um, like, I don't understand. Like, if there's shattering going on downstairs in the kitchen, first of all, you're already downstairs. Secondly, if your kitchen is upstairs, and that's freaking weird. Thirdly, perhaps you're downstairs in the lobby of the apartment you live in. I don't freaking know, because you didn't tell us the layout of this entire home. Fourth, like, if he's home, why wouldn't you check? He's breaking shit. Like, I'm just... I don't know. They're coming for me, she wailed, covering her ears and shaking her head side to side. She fought to drown out the sounds. The noises were so deafening that Robin thought the whole neighborhood could have heard it. She anticipated a booming knock on the door from the neighbor, asking what the hell was going on. It never came. Robin slowly walked downstairs as the sound increased. Again, you already said she was downstairs, so you need to make sure that you are being very consistent with where your characters are and where what is happening. Like... I, I'm very frustrated because I'm not trying to come off jokey or come off rude. It's just that I'm very confused and I'm sure a lot of people who would read this would also agree that they would be confused because you're just jumping everywhere and then you're trying to create this tension when there really isn't any place for it yet because you haven't given us the details to create the tension. All you're saying is there's shattering and it could be a b c or d happening but then like your character's not reacting to it but then suddenly she is reacting to it by you know kind of acting like a crazy person and still we have no idea like who's coming for her which is fine that should be a question if that's supposed to be a mysterious thing fine that's fine but you have so many other questions beforehand that that one just adds to an annoyance like you haven't really gone into detail about what it is that she's so afraid of you know you had an opportunity when you talked about jesse kind of being like oh her my favorite his favorite words for me were crazy or delusional like why so moving on robin slowly walked downstairs as the sound increased flaring ear piercing sounds and maybe a voice or two or three robin turned the corner into the kitchen she saw no one by this time her breathing was asthmatic she had tears streaming down her face and wanted to beat herself up what the this woman is like zero to a hundred. She cried and coughed, wrapping her arms around her stomach for comfort. She stumbled over to the phone, calling Jesse via speed dial. Could you come home? She cried loudly through the phone when he answered. Damn, Rue, he said sadly. I'm on my way, baby. He said sadly. Okay, so when he said damn, Rue, I would have assumed that that was more aggravated or irritated, not sad. Robin returned upstairs and washed the beads of sweat off her face. Her dark brown eyes caught the mirror ahead of them. They were glassy and tired. Her brown curly kinks had turned to a frizz. Again, um, her dark brown eyes caught the mirror ahead of them. That isn't, ahead of them does not make any sense. Her dark brown, brown eyes caught her reflection as she lifted her head to the mirror. I don't know, that's not perfection, but I just, <sighs> moving on. She locked herself in the bedroom once again, pulled out her old notebook and sat cross-legged in the middle of the bed. She felt uneasy and on edge, as if she was being watched. She always felt like that, like she was unsafe and always targeted, by everything and everyone. She hated watching the news, 
all TV in fact, and preferred to read the articles the next day. She hated the cinema, long lines of the bank and the radio. This kind of seemed a little like out of place. Like how do we go from shattering, panic attack basically, hyperventilating to I hate this, I hate that, when it has nothing to do with I mean, is there a reason why she hates all this stuff? Like, is that where there's the most activity that she experiences from the supernatural vibey thing that's going on? You also do have that stop skin. She always felt like that period, like she was what's safe and always targeted period by everything and everyone period. Um, so just kind of be careful of that. Robin flipped through her notebook until an envelope swam out, making her jump. It was sealed with scrappy writing to the bottom of the corner. It read, 1307-2015. Robin looked at her calendar, then scoffed at the odds, just two years before. She knew exactly what it meant, and she wished that she could avoid it. Still, she peeled it open and read every word. Damn, she whispered. After, Robin got out, folded the pages, pens and pencils, and sat at the desk. She had no one else to share this with, only those who were unlucky enough to read it, to read her letters. Robin had to recall the past almost two years ago, a story about someone Robin met a while ago. I don't... He didn't exactly change her life. He only plummeted, plummeted her into madness. Robin took more sleeping pills than she should have, climbed into bed and hid herself under the covers. She'd get to writing eventually. And that's the end of the prologue. Um, so because the prologue did take me so long to get through, I'm most likely not going to read the first chapter. Um, and for those who are new to the podcast, the reason why I only do the prologue or just one chapter in general is because I don't feel like I need to read more than one chapter to really get a sense of an author's writing style. I feel like one chapter is enough to understand where the issues lie and what I personally think they could improve on. So with that said, I'm gonna go and say this needs a lot of detail. It needs to be rounded out a lot more and I mean I think that if you really kind of more more so develop this story a little bit more, the characters more, gave them more dynamic, more depth, you would actually have something really interesting. Because I don't think the premise of the story is the problem. I think that the lack of detail and the kind of jumpiness of the story is where the problem lies. Um, so my biggest issue is definitely the lack of detail. And I'm pretty sure I like, went over that enough throughout this episode so the author has a general idea of what I personally would like to see them improve on. You know, just really kind of focus on your tenses you know ask yourself who what why where you know that's really the biggest things that you need to focus on because you had her going downstairs and then suddenly nervous crashing from the kitchen but she could hear it upstairs but she wasn't even upstairs during that time unless some point between the time she went downstairs she went back upstairs but i didn't read that so when you're having things happen you need to make sure it aligns with what your readers have read and what you have made your characters already do so just really keep that in mind you know and like i said like i don't think the premise of your story is a problem i think that you have something really unique here it just needs to be polished so i hope that everything i have pointed out i'm sorry i got frustrated but i hope whatever i did say in regards to the the cookie sandwich and just the details and the jumpiness does help the author improve and look back on their work and be like, okay, I see what they're talking about. So that all said, I am going to end the episode here. I hope you guys enjoyed and I will see you in the next one. Cheers!